It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to The Game with me, Gabriel Marcotti, winner of the Times Podcast of the Year and Young Podcaster of the Year. Today I'm joined by the names who will be first on my acceptance speech. My boss, Tony Evans, my role model, Matt Hughes, and of course, Rory K. Smith. In today's show, we'll look at the battles at the Emirates and up north and discussing the two relegated sides. So let's crack on and move to North London, Arsenal against Manchester United. Tony, this used to be the rivalry which defined most of the last decade. It felt flat. Uh, was it simply because United have won the title and probably spent the week celebrating and Arsenal didn't seem to do much? Well, both teams have achieved the targets, haven't they? United have won the league. Arsenal finished somewhere in the top four. Money in the bank, that'll be fine. Isn't it done deal, Hughesy, Arsenal finishing in the top four, which to them is like winning the title? It's not a done deal, and I was a bit disappointed by Arsenal yesterday. But if you look at the remaining fixtures, you've got to say they're going to have a very good chance. QPR next week, Wigan, uh, and the final game escapes him. But I think it's uh, pretty Newcastle, Newcastle exactly. Another another gimme. So um, yeah, I think I think they will probably finish fourth. And I'd, I would, be, if I was Tottenham now, I'd be feeling under feeling under quite a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, well, they'll finish fourth mainly because Chelsea play Spurs. So it kind of it takes them. One of those two teams will drop points. Um, so in in terms of the game itself, you said you, you weren't very impressed. I mean, obviously Arsenal get the early lead. Walcott, I think we can all agree, was was offside. Um, but I thought, oh look, this kind of you know plays into Arsenal's hands. United will will wake up and there'll be room for Arsenal on the counter attack and whatever else. But what we saw was United sort of woke up slowly and still created loads of chances and you know probably could have won that game, right? Yeah, other than the first half hour, United were the better team, which I think is a bit of an indictment of Arsenal, given they have far more to play for. Van Persie had a great chance. Phil Jones missed an absolute sitter. 
Um, and second half as well, it only looked like looked like United were the only team going to win. The one United player who I thought was very poor was Wayne Rooney, who made one excellent ball to Giggs late on. But other than that, I didn't even notice he was playing. Um, which is got to be a concern, not so much for United because they barely need him, but for the for the player himself and for England. Um, we're going to talk for in a minute about uh, about United because, uh, of course, they've actually clinched the title uh, last Monday since we were last on. But I want to get something um, from you guys on on Arsenal actually because. It seemed in the summer that we all talked, or so many people talked about how Robin Van Persie was, was irreplaceable and, and unbelievable and the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, the reality is Arsenal will likely finish with the same points total um, as last season or, or be very, very close to it anyway. Um, they may yet finish third um, or they may more likely finish fourth. Should we maybe, did we maybe overrate Van Persie and undervalue Arsenal's signings this season or indeed the job that um, Wenger did bearing in mind also that you know everybody thinks the sun shines out of Bayern Munich's Tuckus but um, Arsenal are one of three teams to have beaten Bayern Munich this season as well and of course you know they did reach the knockout stage of the Champions League I, I think I see your point but I think is it not more that that selling Van Persie uh, yeah, Arsenal have, have broadly replaced the aggregate of what Van Persie brought in terms of goals and assists, blah, 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 which is why they are roughly as good now as they were last season. The bad thing with selling Van Persie was that it, prevent, it meant they had to catch up to where they were rather than kick on. But you've replaced an older guy who makes a lot of money with a younger guy who makes a lot less money. And you've added Casorla as well. I, I think there's another side to this. And, you know, and I hate this statistification of football. Oh, they've got the same points as last year. It must be the same. The league is considerably worse. It's a pile of crap. And Van Persie, with 25 goals in there, might have pushed them up to challenge for the title. And they've never even looked as if they were in a sniff of a challenge with the title. Take your statistics, ram them right up your jacksy. And go and watch some football. Husey, are they roughly the same or are they actually better off than 12 months ago? I think they're worse off. I think there, a few of us sat down with Ivan Gazidis a few weeks ago in Munich and he took you know, took exception to the widespread belief that Arsenal are in decline um, and used the statistical argument and claimed, you know, we finished third or fourth every year and the points are about the same. But two things. If you look at the gap from the top, it gets bigger every single year. And also, more subjectively, if you look at the quality of the squad, um, you can't you can't compare every year there's a, there's a drop off in quality because the generally they sell their best players I was looking at the two squads yesterday and I think maybe other than Wilshire who was on the bench and not fit I was struggling to come up with a single Arsenal player who would get in the United team and that is a pretty, uh, you know, pretty damning indictment of how they've fallen because even three or four years ago they would have been it would have been 60-40 and going further back it would have been maybe skewed in Arsenal's favour so the gap between the very best in the country and Arsenal continues to grow in my view and finishing a fourth low achievement shouldn't shouldn't mask that no room at the inn for Santi Casorla then no but I, th- I think that's the point isn't it that Hughes is quite right the gap is getting bigger because Arsenal are effectively standing still so Arsenal are the are, a, are the same side roughly as they were last season because they've replaced Van Persie not with Santi or Giroud but Santi and Giroud and Podolski the problem is that they haven't closed the gap at all and then United get better just 
because they have Van Persie, so the adapt gets bigger. That's the problem Arsenal have got. Well, the thing you should do, right, as a football club, is keep your best players and replace the worst players. Yeah. That way, every, everyone moves up and you get better sides. What Arsenal done, have done is they've sold their best players and they've not replaced the worst players. Right, although some might say in the age of financial fair play and metrics and all that jazz, you want to sell your best players just before they start to decline and replace them with other players who have an upside and can get better, right? Well, Fabregas. I can see Fabregas was right on the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Right on the edge. He was just about to go, you know, old. Was he 30, 39, 40? (laughs) Sorry, Husey, what was that? That's not what Arsenal used to do, isn't it? They they sold Vieira and Henri, you sort of, uh, maybe slightly over the peak and replaced them with Nasri um, and sort of Stabregas was bought in to replace Vieira in some respect but but they've not been able to do that now because they haven't been able to keep their best players long enough because they've not won things uh, and also I think Wenger's biggest problem is his naivety and his he has too much faith in his players. He's not ruthless enough. I looked at the score yesterday, and I could I think I could think of about Manchester United probably had four or five right backs who are better than Bakari Sagnia. But because Arsenal have only got Carl Jenkinson, Sagnia still plays every week. There isn't enough depth and competition within the squad to um, to mean to mean you can get rid of players. So basically, those very well played, average players, Arsenal keep their place and. That's where they are, where they are. Uh, Tony, you're, you're champing at the bit here because, of course, you want to talk about one of your favourite subjects, Manchester United, and uh, and, and, and celebrate them, um, their 20th uh, uh, championship, no doubt. Um, on a serious note, Sir Alex is so in your face. We talk about him all the time. There's so many layers to him. Um, beyond the fact that you know you you said that the the, the Premier League wasn't good this year um, I would agree with you that the best teams certainly weren't very good and so they go and they win the title by a mile without playing particularly well or even close to their potential this year um, is he, I, I know it's really difficult to put somebody in you know a contemporary and historical context but and I don't, want to, I don't want to provoke you by asking you to compare him to Paisley and Shankly. But apart from Paisley and Shankly, are we seeing the greatest manager British football has ever produced? But I think without a doubt, I think over the past three years, four years, he's proved himself to be one of the greatest, certainly in the top three. Um, the if, other two if, being Paisley and Shankly. Well, I mean, if, if not the greatest, I mean, you know, the, 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 the reality of it, he's won the league with teams, which you look at and you think... They shouldn't be anywhere near it. You know, it's a, would you would you count this United team as one of those? I I personally think this is the weakest United squad Ferguson's had since he won the league in ninety two ninety three. But that's interesting because Hughes just said that you know they have like fifty right backs who are better than Bakari Sanya and blah blah blah. And that doesn't you? that doesn't mean I mean you know <laughs> it's um uh, you know there's there's under fourteen teams that have better right backs than Sanya. So um I'm you know that yes they have got they have got better players but overall. All the standard of the squads. I mean, look look at the players that you know uh, are now sort of team members. I mean, you've got cleverly people like cleverly. Even like six or seven years ago, they would have been right on the margins of the first team. That you look at the United midfield and you think. How can they win at such a canter, the league? And it's Ferguson, it's force of will, it's the way he does things. And it's it's, it's unbelievable. 
And you can only take your hat off to it. I hate saying all that. <laughs> I know. Matt, I, I want to uh, – one of the things which, which I find remarkable about United – I mentioned this before, but it just still blows my mind – is there are only six United players who've been on the pitch for at least 65 percent of United's minutes this season. Now, we know that he likes rota- uh, rotating his squad, but there's no other team in the world that is like this. Um, that, that even approaches this. And of those six guys who played more than two-thirds of United's minutes this season, okay, Carrick and Van Persie were, were, were fantastic, but you know, De Gea and Rafael are people who are, who are still, I think, developing, both at good seasons. The other two Evra, uh, are Evra and Rio, and you know, they, Rio had a, uh, had a good season, but you know, talking about two guys who are on the wane. To be able to do that in those circumstances, I mean, why is he so different not just from everybody else in this country, but from everybody else in the universe. Well, I disagree with Tony. I think United's squad is very good, and that is one of the reasons they've won the league, because as you say, they've rotated and managed to maintain the level. I think it's a very good squad, but there are holes in certain areas, mainly midfield. If you look at the forwards, you've got Chikorita, who's a fourth-choice striker at a club where they largely play one up front, which is, you know staggering strength and depth to have. Um, this rotating cast of characters they have on the wing, um, I, I'm absolutely mystified by it. I mean, I know, I know like we never get any real information out of United because they're so locked up, but, you know, is Nani fit? Is he not fit? Does it make sense if he's fit and you're not playing him to pay him so much money? What are your plans? We don't know. Nobody ever knows. Ashley Young is there one second, and then he disappears, and we don't see him for six weeks. And then we have to ask the question, what is the point of Ashley Young? Well, mm-hmm. Ashley Young, who played every single minute for England at, at the Euros. Um, it, there, there's so many sort that, of, I think, important... What? That's no, that's no great kind of praise. It? It's well, not like England and Brazil, 1970. No, that's fine. But what I'm saying, but, but what I'm saying is, there's so many imponderables around this team that, and, and, and I, to me at least, is part of the, the the fascination with Sir Alex Ferguson is because nobody can ever get any information out of that club. You just don't know what's going on. I mean, is Smalling not playing because he's injured, or is Smalling not playing because uh, Sir Alex doesn't rate him? I mean, I I don't know. I is I I I find this. Just, just completely like what he does is just so different from everybody else and he works and yeah and I agree with Tony that's why I think he is if not the greatest um, on a par with whoever, whoever you, you, know, you would argue is the greatest One of, first thing else out there about Rooney Husey you um, we've had these stories I mean Ducker's been reporting about him to Paris Saint-Germain I'm, I'm skeptical uh, that this is really an option and it sounds to me like something that if I were Rooney's agents I would happily invent and put out there um, but the, I, in my sense, is ultimately he's going to stay because he's got nowhere else to go. Um, are you buying that? Um, I think he'll stay, certainly this summer. The big question is about the contract talks. Well, sorry, somebody say he'll stay. He'll. St- I mean, you said he'll stay this summer. He will sign a new contract, right? They're not going to keep him and let him go down to and let him run his contract out. Well, that's that's the big issue, isn't it? I think when he was dropped to the Real Madrid game, we all got very excited and assumed that it was Fergie signalling he would sell him. I think Fergie probably would sell him if he got good money for him um, and found the club to pay his wages. But that that's the problem. There are very few clubs who can afford to pay. 220 grand a week to a, a guy who's not guaranteed to start um, so I think with hindsight I think being dropped for that game was probably a shot across the bows with regard to the contract 
and he, he might get an extension, but it's certainly not going to be on improved terms and, and may even be uh, involved taking a pay cut. Um, so that's going to be a conversation between Rooney's um, advisors and Man United. I, I, think, I think the club would like him to stay, but he's not the main man anymore and he's going to have to accept that. Um, he may end up playing him in quite a lot of midfield, I think, as his um, career, career winds down. Are we saying Rooney's career's winds down a bit too early? Where is he, like, 28? It's 28, but we, I think, did we not always know that Rooney might not... Rooney was never going to do a gauge, was he? He's not got the body type to, to go on until he's 39. I think it was always fairly obvious that by the time Rooney hit 30, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be on the wane, and that's not a pun. Um, but yeah, I think he is. He's not the player he was. He's ne- there's a debate was, over whether he's fulfilled was, was, the talent was, he should in the way he should have Was he ever the done. player he was? I mean, one of the problems with Rooney is that we were told by the likes of Ericsson that we were getting a, a white Pele. And you know what? It turned out he was just, he's just all right. He's just a good player. I think the problem with Rooney... I think I'd, 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 I'd go beyond that. I say Rooney, 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 Rooney has been an excellent player, but I don't. I don't see any vast improvement in Wayne Rooney now to Wayne Rooney, the sixteen-year-old, and that that I mm. think is probably a product of the star culture that built up around him. Mm, that's true. All right. Before we move on, I just want to remind everybody that uh, if he continues at his current pace, Wayne Rooney will become Manchester United's all-time leading goal scorer in all competitions um, by his thirtieth birthday, surpassing your god, Rory Bobby Charlton. Moving on to the stadium formerly known as the JJB, um, Wigan and Spurs. Um, Tony, I was really excited for this because I thought, like, oh, this is great. Two teams who both have a lot to play for. Um, and, and two managers who we've all been praising and, and two teams that play good football. It looked to me like Wigan dominated this game. They did, and I mean, I think the highlights were a little bit unrepresentative because you saw the chance for Tottenham at the end, you know, the late goal and the chance, and you think, oh, you know, Tottenham should have won it. But Wigan, Wigan plays well. Wigan play good football, as they do at this time of year, which always throws up the question, why don't they do this in September? The sun's out then as well. Hugh, you've got your pulse on the uh, on, on the transfer market and the wonderful shady world of agents and intermediaries and club executives. If, assuming Wigan lose or get hammered in the FA Cup final and get relegated, do clubs start thinking of Roberto Martinez in a different way? Does he become something of a of a lesser manager in their eyes? Not, not should he, but does he? I don't, I don't think so necessarily. I, I think the start of every season, if you keep Wigan up, he's done a very good job. Um, if you narrowly, narrowly fail... Reach a cup final. I think he's done a, a pretty good job as well. Um, so I think he's got enough credit in the bank to maintain his reputation. I think managers can survive one relegation. Very few managers haven't been relegated at all in their career. It's when they start taking two or three teams down that their reputation would suffer. So um, I, I think, for example, whatever happens at Aston Villa in, in, in the short term, like a club, a sort of medium level club of that size would would have always have. Roberto Martinez on his shortlist. He might not get an interview for the, the job at Liverpool when that next comes up, as he did last summer. But um, I, I still think his uh, reputation would be fairly uh, 
fairly high. There's a, there's a couple of quite interesting things that could happen this summer, and the emphasis very much is on could with, with regards to Martinez, because you don't know quite what's happened with Pardew at Newcastle, Newcastle anymore. Obviously, they've had two very bad results, and things do seem to be turning the jungle drums and sort of beating a little bit with Pardew. That that, that eight-year contract might not be uh, might not last quite as long as, well, as everyone thought it would. Romance, uh, sorry, a bromance between him and, well, and Ashley. Apparently so, but then you know, bromances come to an end gap, as ours did. Exactly. Um, and, and, and isn't isn't that eight-year contract in fact a rolling contract? Yeah. There's, yeah. So it's not really. An it's eight like year Sa- it's like the it's like the the ten-year contract that uh, Big Sam had at Bolton. Yeah. Remember that? It's also yeah, very much like my contract, Tony. Um, mm. Entirely rolling, very fluid. But the other the other one that could come up is is Everton, obviously, if Moyes leaves, which Martinez you'd have thought would be quite well suited to. They're both jobs at the level that he where he would be tempting. Where I don't think relegation would necessarily kind of influence their thinking, and at the right sort of level for him to test himself at the, the stage above, because he is gets Wigan playing nice. They play. The difference is, is isn't that they, they they play nice football throughout the season. It's just that only now do they start getting results. That's the that's the problem Wigan have got. So yeah, I think this summer is the one where Martinez, whatever happens, probably has to jump because at some point with with Wigan they pay less money than everybody else, they spend less than everybody else, they've got a smaller squad than everybody else. At some point, your luck's going to run out. What, what happens to Wigan if they go down? I mean, when you consider last season, um, in terms of the finances, they got forty million from the telly, and the, the, the whole other turnover was four million. You know, everything else. So you take away that uh, Premier League television money. You know, there will be parachute payments, but you know they're going to get four or five million coming in. They're, they're not going to be able to keep any of the contracts. But I think well, the, the wages are only running at about thirty. I think it's thirty-six million. The wages. So what what Wigan would do, I would imagine, is you'd sell McCarthy who's an, an excellent player and would get into pretty much any team in the Premier League. <laughs> he would, actually. He really James would. McCarthy is... I'm stunned that he's still at Wigan. James McCarthy is almost as good a midfielder as there is in Britain. You'd, you'd sell Callum McManaman, who I think looks excellent. You'd, you'd get 10, 12, 15 for him. Uh, people like Kone, you'd probably get decent money for. Antolin Alcaraz, if he's, if he's fit again. There's money there to be made. So you'd, they would have to break up that side and start again, I mm. think. That's, but but they'd, they'd get £15 million for the parachute payment, an extra £5 million for... It, their own turnover plus the football league television money, they'd be okay. Well, they, no, no. What they'd have, they'd have a three-year window to get back up. Otherwise, the very survival of that club would be in doubt. Um, no, Whelan would bankroll it. I don't think there's. They, they would have to. I, I think if we didn't go, they probably won't come back. But I, I think the club will adapt and survive. Right, enough negativity about Wigan because, of course, they're not down yet, and um, I, I still the way it's looking, it, it could well still come down to that. That, that huge game against uh, Villa on the last day of the season. Um, I'm talking about Spurs for a minute, and um, Rory kind of preempted me a little bit before by, by, by posing this question. Uh, was that one of your points, Gab? But it is really worth No, but listen, all us Euro snobs, right, we all look down our nose at Harry Redknapp, and we say, oh, Villa's boss is much better. We all say that they play prettier football this year. Um, I'm not a Modric or a Van der Vaart guy, so I don't necessarily believe that their squad is weaker this year than last year because everybody tells me how wonderful Fertongen is and the PFA Team of the Year. Um, and, of course, I think Moussa Dembele's had a fantastic season and Tom Huddleston is fit and all that jazz. And Gareth Bale is arguably a better player this year than, than he was last year. So that being the case, Tony, is there real any message to be gleaned here if AVB finishes below Redknapp? No, in sorry, in the much worse Premier League this season than last season. Well, they've been very disappointing, that's for sure. Um, really? 
well, overall, I mean, they got off to a bad start, didn't they? And then, then they bounced back and you thought, oh, this is all going in the right direction. And they've just tailed off at the point where Tottenham seemed to traditionally tail off over the last few years and you wonder whether it's a sign of a deeper sort of malaise at the club a, a confidence thing I mean I think it's 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 Villas Boas's first year I think he's done I, I think you give him a pass mark no matter where you finish I think next year will be a bigger test I think we'll see we'll see it it'll be more like his team his squad and we'll see whether he kicks on and moves in the right direction but you can't help feeling at the end you expected just a little bit more from Tottenham especially with Bale as he is Excuse me, did you expect more this season from from Spurs or I mean or would you say that you know thus far they're actually moving in the right direction I don't think you can expect anything from Tottenham Hotspur uh, because they're so unpredictable. I think in some ways this is a classic, classic, typical Tottenham team. They can win at Old Trafford, lose at home to Norwich within a short space of time. Um, but I do think... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The fans have the right to hope for a bit more. If you're going to sack a manager who takes you to finish fourth, you, you, you should improve on that. And Bless Boas hasn't done that. Um, I think he deserves another year, and I think he's done... a okay job but as Tony says no better than that I think if you compare the players in Tottenham squad and their starting lineup to Arsenal's I think they're considerably better yet yeah, there's a fair chance Arsenal finish above them and if that happens I think they've underachieved In our debate this week um, 
our producer Chris Skinner and his weird chicken fetish wanted us to talk about Blackburn, but since that case is still in court, um, we will move on and uh, discuss the two relegated sides, Reading and QPR, who, who, who put on a real, I thought, stinker um, in, in the nil-nil. Um, Right, you were there. I want to just get one thing out of the way because um, Joey Barton tweeted about this and um, this whole issue with Basingua um, smiling in the tunnel and uh, and so on. And I know certainly in, in the weird world of Twitter, it became an issue. Other people posted pictures of a very stern-looking Joe Jordan next to a smiling Harry Redknapp. Um, you seem to defend Basinga probably because his foreign and his name ends in a vowel. No, I'm not defending. I'm not defending Basinga. I'm simply dismissing the biggest non-story of all time as a non-story. Right? QPR and Reading both knew they were getting relegated yesterday, or at some point in the very near future. So that game, I was there. As it, the, the whole thing was flat. I don't think either side particularly cared. I think they'd, they'd both given up hope. And you can kind of understand that in the in the circumstances. It's not ideal, but whatever. As he left the pitch, Basin were bumped into Daniel... I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the surname properly. Tariso, the former sporting Lisbon captain and the Portuguese international, who I am imagining that Basin were knows, right? Tariso said something to him, and I imagine that was, oh, God, we're both rubbish, aren't we? Or something along those lines. And Basinwa gave him a friendly smile, put his arm on his shoulder, you know, just to say hello. He was not, it's not like he was standing on the pitch pointing at the QPR fans and cackling and giving, you know, giving them the well, wanker sign. You, we, don't, we, don't, we don't actually know that, uh, that, that Daniel Caruso said this. He no, we don't said, know what he said. But he could have said, look at all these fools out here who pay us millions. Yes. Let's all smile and laugh in their face. He could have said that, but I think it's very unlikely. The whole exchange lasted about three seconds. And it was Basinwa's smile was very much the smile of a man who had just seen an old friend behind him Harry Redknapp was smiling because he was talking to one of the Reading staff behind him Clint Hill was smiling and I think if you don't accuse Clint Hill of not trying then you're kind of on very shaky ground people smile I don't want to sound stupid people smile at funerals sometimes even when you're sad you smile I'm not, I'm not convinced that Basinwa cares enormously that, Red, that QPR have been relegated, but I'm certain he wasn't laughing at the fans, mocking them for coming. It's, it's a pathetic non-issue. No one in football should be allowed to smile when they lose, <laughs> ever, ever. And, like, and even when they win, we'll have to limit the smiles. It's a stupid thing, but, isn't it? Tony, that's it. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. This, you're not, it's this stu- and it's not just in football. It's this stupid culture that we all have to be shown to be mourning constantly about everything. We're not allowed to have the full range of human and emotions if they're deemed inappropriate by various newspapers. It's pathetic. If Basin was, if Basin was, I, was I, English... I think he should have committed ritual suicide in the centre circle. Seppuku uh, for Basinwa. <laughs> uh, Husey, um, at the start of the season, I remember you were on this podcast and uh, uh, you were very scathing about QPR's squad, uh, so much so that um, we got several uh, complaints from people saying about, like, oh, how can Hughes is wrong? We made, we were fantastic, and Granero and Mbia and um, Junior Hoylet and whatever else. Um, obviously, I think events this season vindicated uh, your viewpoint at the time, but I'm, I'm curious, what happens next? QPR have a lot of players who make a lot of money. I think some of them are very good, and I don't think they belong on, on, the, on the scrap heap. And I'm thinking specifically of, of well, Hoylet and Granero are, are the first two that, that You've come to mind. You've obviously not watched Hoylet this season. It's been remarkable, yeah. the turnaround in Hoylet, because I thought he was excellent at Blackburn. Granero's in the midst of some sort of existential crisis but, and needs to go back to Spain where people won't tackle him. But Junior Hoylet has, is not even a shadow of the player he was at Blackburn. He looks appalling. Everyone is saying 
it's going to be much easier for Reading to come back up because they're well run and the wage bill is sensible and blah 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 which is sort of fairly easy knee jerk thing to say but the bottom line is QPR do have some good players anything could happen there um, you know, so it's pretty difficult to make any um, predictions of any degree of confidence because they're obviously going to have a huge job to, to reshape the squad but on the um, new side though you I mean you, you know sort of Fernandez and, and Batia and, and whatever else I mean people make it seem like he's some kind of fool but he sunk a lot of money in this club the only way he's going to get some money back out is if they come back to the Premier League right? Yeah I don't think he's going to walk away I met him a couple of times and got the distinct impression he was in it for the you know him and the people behind him wasn't for in it for the for the long haul um, but they're going to they have to take a serious look at how how the club is run really and which agents they use and how how they spend money because everyone said it was unsustainable and and, and it's going to be it's going to prove that way isn't it? even if they're in the Premier League they would have had to change so in the Championship they're really going to have to adapt my, my, my sense is that they will um, really go for it next season they'll try and offload as many of the big earners as they can and the ones that want to leave will probably be allowed to do so but uh, I, I imagine I don't imagine they're going to um, suddenly um, retrench completely and run themselves on a shoestring I, I imagine they're going to throw money at it to try and come back up straight away QPR have a, have, have, a, have a really pressing issue in that their so their wage bill in the last stated set of accounts was 56 million quid their turnover I think was 62 million quid that's before Loic Remy, who I think Remy will go, Samba will go, but it's also before several of the signings in the summer. Their wage bill is running at, at least 90% of turnover, if not more, which, as I understand it, is not allowed in the Championship. So they have to offload players, no question. They have to off- offload a lot of players or find a way of kind of artificially boosting their revenues, I guess. The problem is that the, who's going who's to buy them? There's, some, there's two or three that you look at and you think, yeah, all right, someone will, you know, someone will sign Remy. Samba will go. Granero, you'd imagine, will be able to go back to Spain. There'll be someone like Norwich will take a chance on Hoyler, although he has been rubbish all season. Yeah, yeah. But there has been... Th- there are others who you can't... I mean, Park. Who's going to pay Park 70 grand a week? So you're relying on players to do the decent thing and kind of say, right, well, I'll, I'll go somewhere else for a bit less money, which you'd like to think they will, but history sort of suggests they won't. So QPR have got a genuine problem. They also have a problem in that I don't think anybody knows whether the manager will stay. Harry keeps saying, oh, well, you know, I'll do whatever the owners want. But you sort of think, well, will you, is that, that's not really how it works. I mean, you can sort of imagine if Cardiff come up and sack Mackay within about five, five games, you can imagine Redknapp walking out. He might start the season at QPR, I doubt he'll finish it there. So, and then they have this, this kind of structural issue, which is the endemic use of Twitter. As soon as that game ended yesterday, Fernandez tweeted, Philip Beard tweeted, Joey Barton tweeted, I think Samba and various others have all tweeted this morning, stop tweeting and talk to each other. It's pathetic. It's a club which has a pathological self-regard. Would, would you bring Joey Barton back and play I think, in the I think Barton, and, Barton and Derry would do okay in the Championship, but Barton says that Marseille have got a deal in place if... if he wants it to take him there for next season I'm sure he'd prefer that than playing in the championship I can't imagine Marseille would pay Barton on a long term deal what what he's on now what he's reportedly on now so that would show that Joey Barton would take a pay cut which I actually think is reasonable because you take a pay cut you get Champions League football yeah. he seems mm-hmm. happy in Marseille and it's out of France as he keeps uh, tweeting um, what about Reading because Okay, so I have to admit that they, in, in January, they, they were in a horrible place. Um, 
and they sign these guys who, you know, apart from uh, from Stephen Kelly, I mean, who the hell is Hope Akpan? And this other guy, Jim Blackman or Ron Nick, Bla- well, Nick, Nick Blackman. Blackman. Ron Blackman. Well, whoever, whoever these guys. Dab, dab. Footballers aren't called Ron anymore. Okay. I, I don't. I don't. That's a good point. I, I don't follow the, the lower league, so I'm like, who the hell are these people? And you know, I've seen them play a little bit, and I can see that they clearly weren't going to keep reading up. I got the sense that basically they um, they signed these guys in January with a view towards, oh, these are people who can help us get out of the championship next year. Is that what happened, Tony? And if that's the case, was it, were they basically throwing, throwing in the towel in January? Well, I think there was a sense that they knew they were going down by then. I mean, it, it, it never really looked good for them, did it? You know, they, there was never a conviction that Redden were going to stay up right from the beginning. But, I mean, they, here's a team. They win the championship, right? They keep the whole squad together. They didn't lose any of their stars from the championship winning side. They spend £10 million net spend, and they're horrible. Well, you know what? Funnily enough, I was having a conversation uh, within the last week with the chief executive of our, our, our club, and he said, like, in his opinion, what you should do when you get promoted from the championship to the Premier League is sack the manager, no matter how he's good, and get, get someone in. He said, because they all come with just the one expectation of getting to 17th and just clinging on there. He said, you know, you, 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 know, you, you look at the players and you say, I've got to be loyal to the players. And he said, it doesn't make sense. Get rid of them. He said, if you want to thrive in the Premier League, don't go in there with championship players. And there was a sense that Redden went in with championship players. I wonder who that chief executive could be. Um, the... Uh there's, a, there's, an, it, there's two things we're reading. One is that the, the squad that they brought up, they, they kind of did the right thing, the thing that everyone's meant to do, which is stand by your players, give them a chance, you've got the momentum, blah, blah, blah. The problem is that Reading had a, a squad comprised essentially of about 23 Robert Earnshaws who were too good for the Championship but not good enough for the Premier League, and that's what's happened. The, but, but there is a benefit in, in what you might term, I guess, like the slingshot approach. You go up, you come back down and with the extra money and the extra experience you go straight back up and you build from there and I think that that might be what Reading try and do which is what West, West Brom have done effectively mm. you, you go up once you come back down and then it's the second promotion when you're ready for it that you can you can start to build and this year I mean the, well for those who go down next season the, the effect will be even more pronounced with the new television deal I mean Reading have missed out by a year so it'll make it a bit more difficult for them but I mean I, I do think we're going to see a lot of um, up and down teams you know the, the yo-yo teams in but the it's, next it's only, 10 years it's only I think it's one in nine years or something that have bounced straight back from relegation so it's relatively rare mm. alright enough of that rubbish time for some quick hits after a 2-1 win over West Ham, City of 71 points and four games left. Swansea and Reading away, Norwich and West Brom at home. Um, Tony, it's hardly Bayern and Barcelona, and I know how much you love to make comparisons between years, between different years and league places and points totals, and how you always think it's extremely relevant. So, all this being the case, and given that they could end up with just six fewer points than last season, is it really such an abject failure this year? The big... The big statistic this year is last year they had a Premier League trophy, this year they haven't. And that's a failure because they've got the best squad in the league. They'll win the FA Cup, which, you know, you've got to take your hats off to them because any trophy is a good trophy. But a squad like this, not to win the league and to be so far behind Man United, is a disappointment. 
Chelsea overcomes Swansea to nail Husey. Two questions. Are you confident they're on track for the Champions League? And with Frank Lampard reaching 201 goals, which is one short of Bobby Tamling's record, what are the odds that if he doesn't break it this year, he'll be back next year just so he can break the record? Uh, what, is, what is it if you and odds and percentages? So you don't actually have to give me the odd, but what is the likelihood, if you prefer? Slim. Um, really? But I do think Chelsea. Are you surprised by that? That would be so cruel and mean. Like you leave him, you leave him hanging one goal from Tamling's record. Well, do so you think? Like, do you really think Roman Abramovich is going to just give Frank 150 grand a year a week? just so he can break a record. No, I like to think that Frank would take a pay cut so he could come back and break a record. Uh, what, what gets me is all these artificial records. You know, oh, Bobby Tamlin's record. Oh, it's like Bobby Tamlin. Wow, he's broken Bobby Tamlin. Do you know what? When I was a kid growing up, you know what I want to do in my life? I want to break Bobby Tamlin's record. And it all goes back to Nike and Ian Rice. You know, yeah, yeah, with the Cliff yeah, Baston yeah. record, Baston, yeah. and, and they invented, and it's a marketing tool, and it's a load of old tosh. Well, it was a big deal to you when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record, right? Oh, well, now that, that, that is something. <laughs> Newcastle have taken four of a possible 18 points in their last six games. Rory yesterday's 6-0 home defeat to a Luis Suarez. Yes, the non-supply dependent uh, striker. Uh, Luis Suarez less Liverpool was an absolute embarrassment. Uh, can you pinpoint what's wrong and maybe come up with a solution? Uh, so what's wrong, I think, is they've suffered a lot of injuries to key players, which has been important, although it's not an excuse. Uh, their midfield appears to have run on holiday, which is an interesting approach uh, towards the end of the season. Johan Kabai, who I think is excellent, has just sort of forgotten how to play football. Che Teote is, I mean, is, is appalling, suddenly. Um, the solution, I think, is hang on for dear life and try and get three more points over the course of, this, of the rest of the next four games or whatever, uh, or maybe three. And then look in the summer at whether Alan Pardew is better exemplified by his good season last season or his bad season this season. And that's a very difficult choice to make. And then go and sign Harry Redknapp or Roberto Martinez to replace him. I think if I had to replace him, it would be with Martinez, yeah. All right, there you go. Folks figured that it would be doom and gloom for Liverpool without Luis Suarez, so they only go and put six past Newcastle. Tony, do you have renewed faith in the likes of Sturridge, Barini, and Coutinho? And while you're at it, um, what did you make of Suarez's 10-game ban? Well, six past Newcastle might not be the landmark game that people would like it to be um, from a new feat um, well Sturridge will do a, a job and he'll score goals uh, Barini I don't think will uh, and Coutinho we'll find out next season everyone's seen him once it's when they see you the second time that you find out about the players you know, whether they're going to last I'll tell you what he, he can spot a through ball can't he Coutinho some, he can. of the, some of the passes are superb he can but they'll get tighter on him next season yeah. and, and we'll see You know, hopefully he'll, he'll be robust enough to survive and, and and thrive if he does then it'll be brilliant for Liverpool as far as a 10 game ban too long uh, the product of muddy thinking from the FA as usual um, you know he deserves a long ban stupid biting people on the pitch but frankly it's not as bad as breaking someone's leg which I think Roy Keane got three games for, right? And then, uh, and then another five when uh, he gloated about it in his book 18 months later. Mm. Everton beat Fulham 1-0 and haven't given up on a place in Europe next year. But more importantly, Husey, what's your guess about where Moyes is going to be next season? And also, I want percentages, and I'd like you to include Schalke, since that's the hipster choice. 
you're not getting a percentage because football's an art, not a science. Uh, and percentage probabilities are pretty meaningless. Uh, it's very hard to call, he said, sitting on the fence um, in his garden, actually. Um, but I think he'll probably, probably stay. I think the contractual standoff is, is partly to do with how much money you'll have to spend next season and also whether Everton are able to keep hold of uh, key players such as Fellaini, Baines and even maybe Ross Barkley. But I think if Everton are in the Europa League and he's got a bit of money to spend, I think that'll be enough for Davy. Should he? Should I mean? Should he pursue the soccer job? If, if they, I mean, would that be a better a good? If you were his agent, would that be a good? And you really had that option, would that be a better career move for him than staying with Bill Kenwright? Um, it's attractive, but it's a, it's a gamble, isn't it? And from the very little I know, David Moore, he's not exactly describing him as being a risk taker. He's pretty pretty conservative in his outlook and in the way he puts together football teams and manages his career that's probably why he's been everything in 10 years so I think he's probably more likely to go for the for the slightly safer option than thrusting himself into a very tough Bundesliga where you know you'd be up against Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund who as we know are two of the best teams that have ever existed Exactly as we all discovered this past week um Rory, uh, last night was the uh, Professional Footballers uh, Association Awards dinner, to which you were not invited because you're neither a professional footballer nor a friend of the stars the way our own Ali Kay was. Two talking points from it, um, uh, if, if you will. You can talk about uh, uh, Gareth Bale, Luis Suarez, and Raman Van Persie and the, um, the candidates to win the award. But since we've all kind of been talked out on that, you may choose to uh, discuss Reginald D. Hunter and... Um, his uh, performance, which some found somewhat controversial. Right, so I'm probably on comfied around with the, the award. So just to touch on that, Bale, I think, is probably the right choice, but there is a problem in terms of it's ridiculous having someone nominated for the Player of the Year award who's also nominated for the Young Player of the Year, because if they are Player of the Year, they, by definition, they must be Young Player of the Year as well. Um, the Reginald D. Hunter thing I think is something of a non-issue the debate appears to be that because the FA during the Suarez case determined that it was well, never tell us what Reginald D. Hunter did so Re- was, Reginald, not everybody was there in attendance Reginald Hunter is a black American comedian whose act centres on fairly liberal use of the N-word which I think we're all, we all agree is bad when, when non-black people use it and personally I feel is really up to black people if they want to use it probably on an individual basis certainly not for me as a white person to determine whether they should find it offensive the problem is of course that the FA uh, determined during the Suarez case that it was always offensive to use the N-word regardless of context that is the, the, the phrase that's got them in trouble the PFA backed up that, that statement and they then went and booked a comedian who they sh- I presume they knew and, used it fairly and, liberally. And of course, Paul Elliott. And Paul Elliott obviously was sat uh, for using it as well. What I would say is it's a very difficult issue. The, the broader context of the issue is whether black people should use the N-word. Personally, I feel it's an issue for them. It's not for, for me or for any other individual, or particularly the FA, to tell them whether it's appropriate or not. The, the, the mistake that was made was the FA statement saying that it, it's never appropriate to, to use that word. But I don't think you should, if you make a mistake, there is no point in pig-headedly sticking with it. You, if you were wrong to, to do something, you should, you should admit the mistake. I think we're missing the points here. Who at the PFA books them? Exactly. Just go and look at the website. No. But do you know what? Do you know 
what's amazing, and I don't want to get, I don't want to sort of tread on toes. I've, I've not been to a PFA dude, but I've been plenty, to plenty of football industry dudes with comedians, and I'm just I'm quite relieved it's a black person being racist this time because they have a oh, lot without of off colour comedians. And I've been at dudes where there has been an awkward silence throughout the room, not at sort of overt racism, but certainly at sexism and homophobia from the comedians. So this 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 is in some ways a step forward. Right, Gab, one for you. Paris Saint-Germain, the, uh, the French team, look on their way to winning the lead one title. But they sure made it difficult for themselves against Evian, didn't they? They certainly did. They were playing Evian, who's kind of like the boogie team, because Evian uh, knocked them out on, uh, um, on penalty kicks in the French Cup. And uh, they, they, they struggled. They finally took the lead through Pastore. Uh, then they went down to 10 men. Then that, that David Beckham got himself sent off, I think, somewhat harshly. Um, and then there was a mass brawl at the end with uh, Sidigu also getting a red card, which means um, they're looking at three suspensions in the upcoming games. They will still win, but this is a case of limping across the finish line. I hate Evian. You know what? They sold the soul when they changed the name for that water company. They, 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 they really did because, um, of course, the team was known before as Volvic to non-Gaillard. Mm. All right, that's all we've got time for this week. Before I go, quick mention for a live cricket show, because the Times will be hosting this summer a variety of live cricket shows uh, up and down the country. Andy Zaltzman will be uh, the host, despite the fact that he has a bad hairline. He's extremely funny um, and, of course, uh, um, does, uh, does the great podcast, uh, The Bugle, together with uh, the very talented uh, John Oliver. And, of course, Chris Skinner is the producer of that, which is why I'm plugging it. Um, Times Plus subscribers can get discounted tickets at mytimesplus.co.uk That's all we've got time for this week. It's been fun. It's been real. Thank you to my guests Tony Evans, Matt Hughes and of course Rory K. Smith. You can come find us on Twitter to share your thoughts or you can email us as so many of you do every single week. It's gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk and those people who were uh, crucifying Hughesy for being so down on QPR this week, uh, that's the address to write to if you wish to apologize to the great man. So remember, you can always go to thetimes.co.uk you'll find news views web chats blogs and analysis we're all on twitter some might say that tony evans and rory smith uh, and myself are rather compulsive tweeters Hughesy uh, a little bit less so but still it's quality not quantity till next time bye-bye